0: I want to speak to you today on the subject, a call to prayer, a call to prayer. If you'll take your Bible and turn to John chapter 16, John chapter 16, as we get into the sermon, I, I I just want you to think for a moment about the importance of prayer. Can I just be honest with you, back in 2005 in those weeks and months leading up to that big decision to say, let's build this building. There was a lot of prayer that went into that. A lot of prayer. We had prayer meetings. We had, we had prayer guides. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed because I really believe that when it comes to believers, one of the most important things that we can do is pray. You see, prayer deepens your relationship with the Lord. Prayer increases your spiritual power. It it results in great victories, it deepens your faith and it relieves you of worry and anxiety. Greg Fazell in his book, How to Develop a Powerful Prayer Life, wrote this, and I quote, he said, to a large degree, your prayer life is your relationship with God. You will never experience full power and growth until you make significant time for daily prayer. So as we look at John chapter 16, we need to be mindful of the context. Jesus is within hours of, of crucifixion. Now Jesus knew that once he died on the cross he would be resurrected from the dead and he knew that he would ascend back to heaven and that these disciples would be faced with the, 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 the specter of living out the rest of their lives, the rest of their ministries without his face-to-face presence. So he had to prepare them. He had to prepare them for a spiritual relationship and not a face-to-face relationship. And one of his primary objectives as it came down to the last few hours of his life on earth, his last few hours with these men was to teach them the importance of prayer. I wanna drop a statement into your, a truth into your heart. Prayer changes things. It changes everything. And for the next few minutes, I want to focus on five keys to praying in a way that will, will gain heaven's attention and cause the power of God to be released in and through your life and the life of this church. The first thing I'd like to point out is the privilege of prayer. Do you understand that prayer is a privilege? We get to go to the creator God, to the throne of grace, and present any requests that we have on our hearts to him. It's an amazing privilege. In John 16, 23, Jesus said, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Every believer, every believer on the face of the earth has direct access to God the Father and his throne of grace. You don't have to go through a pastor to get to God. You don't have to go through a priest to get to God. You don't have to go through Mary to get to God. You can go directly to God as a born-again child of God and you can present your prayer request to him and you can know, you can know in your heart that that privilege has been made available to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ the son of the living god he paved the way for us to go to the father and pray now that verb in verse 23 ask jesus said if you ask the father for anything in my name he will give it to you that verb ask is in the present tense and it literally means keep on asking Do you understand that your heavenly father loves you? And do you understand that your heavenly father never gets tired of hearing your prayers? In fact, in verse 24, Jesus indicates that asking is a key to having real joy in your life. Look at verse 24. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Look at this. That your joy may be made full. God forbid that we as believers walk around like we've been baptized in pickle juice. If anybody on the face of the earth ought to have joy and expressible and full of glory, it should be us as born-again believers. Now, let's look secondly at the potential of prayer, the privilege of prayer. The potential of prayer, number two, if you ask anything Look at that word, anything. That's a pretty amazing word, isn't it? Do you realize that you can go to your heavenly father and pray about financial problems? If you have marital problems, you can go to your heavenly father and pray about your marital problems. If you're struggling with kids who have gone off the rail morally or spiritually, you can go to the heavenly father and you can pray for your kids anything. If you have health problems, you can go to the father and ask him to, to, to heal you and to help you. If you have emotional problems, you can go to the heavenly father and you can ask him to heal you emotionally and to help you deal with the struggles that you're walking through. Anything. What an amazing word that is. There's no limit to what God can do in and through your life there's no limit to what God can do in and through this church and that's an amazing fact in and of itself listen we have a big celebration coming up in November this was this was a great celebration today hopefully I'll be more emotionally in control in November right but in November In fact, on November the the 19th, we are going to celebrate the 150th anniversary of this church. That's amazing, isn't it? This church and its ministry has been around a long time. And we're going to celebrate what God's done. But we're also going to celebrate what God will do in the future. We're we're not coming to the 150th anniversary and viewing it as a stop sign, as a red light. We're coming to the 150th anniversary and we're viewing it as a green light and God's saying, go. Go to the world, share the gospel. Go to our community. Get the truth of God into the hearts and minds of, uh, of men, women, boys, and girls. Go. The ministry of this church Needs to hit the accelerator, not the brakes on November the 19th. And, and so we have produced a 40 days of prayer and fasting guide. and Every, every church member will be getting this. And, and one thing we want to do leading up to November is we want to enter into a time of prayer and fasting, asking God to bring genuine spiritual revival to this church, to our families, And I want you to be a part of that. That's why I'm preaching on prayer today. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Dawson Trotman said this. He said, I often ask Christians, what is the biggest thing you've asked God for this week? Now, think about it. Just give yourself a test. What's the biggest thing you've asked God for this week? I remind them that they are going to God, the Father, the maker of the universe, the one who holds the world in his hands. What did you ask God for? Did you ask for peanuts, toys, and trinkets? Or did you ask for continents? I tell you, it is tragic. Dawson Trotman said, the little things we ask of our almighty God, sure, nothing is too small, but also nothing is too big. Let's learn to ask our big God for big things. However, when we pray, we've got to pray in faith, believing. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, Jesus said, and all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Do you believe that promise? I hope and pray you do. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, the Bible says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When you pray in faith, the power of almighty God is released into your circumstances and there are no limits as to what God can do. Prayer changes everything. It changes everything in our individual lives. It changes everything in the corporate life of the church. So we've seen the privilege of prayer and the potential of prayer. Now I want you to see the power of prayer. In verse 24 of John 16, Jesus told those disciples now remember, they're confused. They're hurting. Jesus had told them, I'm I'm going to be killed when I go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. And he told them, I will rise again after three days. But that little fact didn't sort of settle into their minds. All they heard was Jesus was going to be killed and they would be separated from him physically. And Jesus said, Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Asking you receive so that your joy may be made full. Jesus said, I want you, when, when I go to heaven, when I send back to heaven, you may not understand everything right now. But I want you, when you pray to the heavenly father, you pray in my name. Do you realize that you have the authority to do that? If you're a believer, you have the authority to go to the throne of grace, to God the Father, and to pray in Jesus' name. But what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, John MacArthur said this, this means that we're to ask for what Jesus would want, what he is after, not for our own desires. Prayer is not a means by which you get God to do what you want. Prayer is a means by which God does through you what he wants. Praying in Jesus' name means that we pray with his authority. And we pray according to his will and consistent with his character. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. In James chapter 4. Just flip over, if you have your Bible, go over to James chapter 4 for just a moment. There's an interesting little verse here about prayer. It says in verse 3 of chapter 4 of James, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, understand this, when you pray in Jesus' name, You're praying exactly what Jesus would pray if he were in your shoes. You're praying consistent with his character and his will. You say, well, how do I know the will of God, pastor? You know the will of God by studying the word of God. The word of God will define for you what you should pray and how you should pray. I'm telling you, prayer changes everything. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the Bible says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything, there's that word anything, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God to flood your life with joy? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to see God do amazing things in your life, in your family? Do you want to see God do amazing things in and through this church, Carnival First Baptist Church? Then pray in Jesus' name. Pray according to His will, His word. In his way. Prayer changes everything. So we've seen the privilege of prayer. We've seen the potential of prayer and the power of prayer. I want you to see number four, the passion of prayer, the passion of prayer. Now, when you read these verses, verses 23 and 24 of John chapter 16, there is an implicit passion that hovers over these words. In other Bible references, there are explicit references to passion and prayer. For instance, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, the Bible says, so Peter was kept in prison. Remember, James had been executed. This is the early church after, after Pentecost. James had been executed, and they put Peter in prison. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. The word fervently means stretched out. It means continual. It means intense. Passion in prayer. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 10, the Bible said, Paul said, as we night and day keep praying most earnestly now the word earnestly means to a to an extraordinary degree it it involves a considerable excess over what would be expected passion saturated the prayer lives of Moses the prayer life of 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 Elijah the prayer life of the Lord Jesus and the prayer life of Paul and all the other great men and women of God in the Bible Passion saturated the prayer life of Hannah when she was praying to God to give her a son. It should dominate our lives too, our prayer lives. We should pray with passion. As we seek the Lord, uh, leading up to our celebration of this church's 150th anniversary. I want to challenge you as a body of Christ to do something maybe you've never done before. I want you to add some juice to your praying. Now, I'm not talking about orange juice. I'm not talking about any other. Kind. I'm talking about spiritual juice. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? I want you to consider adding fasting to your prayer life. You, you say, are you telling me I've got to give up food? Well, it may be food, it could be social media, it could be TV, it could be a lot of different things. You can choose whatever you want to fast from, but here's what you're saying to God. God, I am so passionate about wanting to see you move in this church and move in my life. I'm so passionate to see revival come to me personally and to the church corporately. Lord, I'm willing to set aside some things that I normally do, and I want to seek you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. I want to encourage you to fast. You say, but pastor, is that not carrying it a little bit too far? Fasting? Is that really what Baptists should do? Well, let's just see what the Bible says. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, this is the word of God, by the way. He said, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that the people of God had turned away from God. They needed revival. They needed a fresh touch from God. And God said to them, I want you to return to me with fasting and weeping and mourning so the old testament says it's biblical but what about the new testament well in matthew chapter six verse 16 to 18 jesus told the disciples whenever you fast he didn't say if you fast did you notice that he said whenever you fast Do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in heaven. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's take our prayer praying to the next level as we approach November. So we're entering into a time of fasting and prayer. On September the tenth, that's a Sunday night, six to seven o'clock, we're going to have a night of prayer for revival in the fellowship hall. I want you to put it on your calendar. You say, I don't like to go to prayer meetings. I don't care if you like to go to prayer meeting. You need to go to a prayer meeting. If you're a member of the body of Christ, if you're a believer, you need to join the church corporately and let's cry out to God. Let's seek God for a movement that can only be defined by his supernatural power and only he can receive the glory. September the 10th, 6 to 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. And, and then we'll be entering into that, that, that next week. We're entering into 40 days of prayer. And we've got a prayer, a 40-day prayer and fasting guide for you that you can use. We, we, look, we're trying to do everything we can to make this something special. Something that, will, that God can use for his glory in the advancement of his kingdom. So let's take our praying to the next level so that we'll have heartfelt passion when we pray for other people, when we pray for the advancement of God's kingdom, when we pray for the salvation of souls and the supernatural favor of the Lord on his church here at Carreville First Baptist. So we've seen the privilege of prayer, the potential of prayer, the power of prayer, the passion of prayer. Finally, I want you to see the promise of prayer, the promise of prayer. Look at verse 24 again, John 16, 24. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. I want you to notice that little phrase, Five words, ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Now, if you were to sit down and you were to read John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16, you would notice that six different times the Lord made this statement. Let's just look. Look look at John 14, verse 13. Look at it. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. See? Look at verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Look at at chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at verse 16 of chapter 15. Look at the last part of the verse. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And look at chapter 16, verse 23 and, and 24 again. If you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Let me ask you a question. How many times does God have to repeat repeat himself? You you say, well, why is God saying this six different times in such a compressed portion of Scripture? It's because God is trying to to get something into our our heads and our hearts. He wants us to understand what what a, a vital thing prayer is in the life of a believer and in the life of a church. Curtis Mitchell made this statement. He said, in this simple statement, prayer is set forth as a primary human factor in the accomplishment of God's program on earth. With startling boldness, Christ asserted that divine action in some mysterious manner is conditioned upon believing prayer. God, the Father loves you. And he loves me. You know why? Because we love Jesus, because we believed in Jesus, and because we long to obey him. Are these three things true of you? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you? Do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you desire to live a life of obedience to him? Don't miss out on the blessing of prayer. Believe in Jesus, love him with all your heart, soul and mind and obey him in every area of your life. Hey, I read about a a couple that got married. His name was Doug Witt and his wife was Sylvia. And and they went on their honeymoon, they went to the, the hotel, they had a bridal suite reserved and they went into the bridal suite that night and they were dumbfounded. <clears throat> they walked in and there were a few chairs, there were some lamps, there was a, a, a bed, excuse me, not a bed, but a sofa and the, the sofa had a, a lumpy mattress and sagging springs and, and they didn't see a bed anywhere and they were absolutely dumbfounded. In fact, they got real mad. So they slept on that hide-a-bed. You ever slept on a -a hide-a-bed? Not comfortable, is it? The next morning, Doug said, I'm going to give this hotel staff a piece of my mind. And so he went down to the front desk and he berated them. And the, the person behind the desk asked him a simple question. Did you open the door in the room? And he said, what door? He thought it was a closet. When he went back to the hotel room and he opened the door, it was a beautiful bedroom with a beautiful bed, chocolates and flowers and all that kind of stuff in there. And I got to think about that. That's the way so many believers are with their prayer lives. I mean, God has this amazing blessing just right there for us, but we never opened the door. We just flirt around with it. We play around with it. But we never get serious about it. And I'm telling you, folks, the days that we live in demand that we get serious about prayer, serious about God, serious about seeking God, serious about personal and corporate revival in the local New Testament church. You see, prayer changes things. We've looked at the privilege of prayer. The potential of prayer, the power of prayer, the passion of prayer, and the promise of prayer. The question is not should we pray? The question is this, how could we not pray? How could we not pray? These disciples that were there with Jesus in the upper room were looking for someone who would love them. For someone they could believe in and trust. And for someone who could give them a future and a hope. They found all of that and more in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they committed their lives to him. And they followed him for the rest of their lives. And they turned the world upside down. Every person on this planet needs the same three things that those disciples were looking for. Whether they live in Carnival, whether they live in South Africa, whether they live in Europe or Asia, wherever they live, I'm telling you folks, everybody in the world needs those three things. They need someone to believe in. They need someone who will love them. And they need someone who can give them a future and a hope. I'm telling you on the authority of the word of the living God, Jesus is that person. And I I pray today that if you're still searching for those three things, that your search will end today. That you will repent of your sin and you will put your faith and trust in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you will follow him for the rest of your life. In fact, I want to invite our worship team come, I want to invite our staff to come and this is your opportunity to do exactly what those disciples did to say I'm going to believe in Jesus I'm going to follow Jesus I'm going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life will you do that today you know what I prayed before I came out here today I pray, Lord, let this truth burn in people's hearts. Don't let it just be a truth that goes into their minds and doesn't affect their heart and their soul. So if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do it. You can search the world over. You can try pleasure. You can say, well, I believe pleasure will fill the deep needs of my heart. No won't. Solomon tried all that stuff. You, You can try money. You can try career advancement. You can try everything. And I tell you on the authority of the Word of God, only Jesus can give you somebody to believe in somebody who will love you in the good times and the bad times and somebody who can give you a future and a hope that lasts for all of eternity only jesus can do that oh come to jesus today come to jesus just come to one of our staff members and say i want to receive jesus as my savior and lord but you may be here today and and you are a believer You you have believed in Jesus. You've trusted him. He loves you. He's given you a future and a hope. And I'm asking you to do exactly what Paul told the church in Colossians. He said, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. I'm asking you to leave your seat. Maybe you want to come to this altar and you want to pray for a child or you want to pray for a friend or you want to pray for yourself or another family member. You come and you bow before the Lord Jesus and lift your prayers to him today. Most importantly, I want you to walk out of this building today and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get serious in my prayer life. I'm taking it to the next level. Because prayer changes everything. Everything. So you come to this altar. And then maybe you're here today and you're carrying such a heavy burden. Maybe it's because somebody that you love has cancer. Or somebody that you love is way away from God. Or maybe it's because there's a a problem in your marriage or you've lost your job or you've got financial problems, I want to invite you to leave your seat, bow before Jesus and allow him to take away your anxiety and your worry. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you move in our hearts. And I pray that through the Spirit's power, that we would do exactly what you want us to do in response to what you said to us through the word today. Lord, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.